the Holy Spirit. He is the subject of our current sermon series. Last Sunday, we made three observations regarding the identity of the Holy Spirit. First, the Holy Spirit is God. Second, the Holy Spirit is a person. And third, the Holy Spirit is the promised presence of Jesus Christ. And now this morning, we begin to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit or the work, the activity of the Holy Spirit. The guiding question last week was, who is the Holy Spirit? But this morning's is, what does the Holy Spirit do? And there is some confusion about this today. So what is it exactly that the Holy Spirit does? What is His ministry? The title of this topical sermon series is The Promised Presence, focusing on the identity and ministry of the Holy Spirit or bringing into focus the identity and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the reason that we need our understanding of the Holy Spirit to be brought into focus is that according to God's Word, we are spiritually purblind. We have impaired and defective spiritual vision. Spiritually, we don't see perfectly clear. And so we need help. All of us at one time were darkened in our understanding. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. Some of us even had our minds blinded to keep us from seeing the light of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And even still, as Christians today... According to 1 Corinthians 13, 12, we see dimly. So, how can we enlighten our understanding so that we see more clearly? How can we bring into focus the Holy Spirit? Well, the same way that we bring anything about God into focus, we will need His Word and we need His Spirit. Psalm 119, 112. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. So we read the Bible to understand the Holy Spirit. But it's not enough to just read our Bible. We need the Holy Spirit to help us understand God's word. 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God, like the Holy Spirit. So before we begin, will you please bow your heads with me? Let's begin by asking the author of God's Word to help us bring into focus His identity and ministry. Our Father in Heaven, thank You for giving us Your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us and help us now to understand the things freely given us by God, namely You. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 36. If you're using one of our church Bibles, you will find today's text on page 678. What does the Holy Spirit do? What is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What is the work that He does? 
What is the Holy Spirit up to? What is the activity of the Holy Spirit? Well, it depends on when you're asking. While there is timeless ministry of the Holy Spirit, there is also a distinction between the Holy Spirit's ministry in the Old Testament and the New Testament, for example. So what is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? It depends on when you're asking. In fact, that is exactly what our main text here in Ezekiel 36 is pointing out. Look with me. It was written by the prophet Ezekiel 2,600 years ago, but he was looking forward to the new ministry of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27 says, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So here's where we're going this morning. As we look at an overview of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we'll first consider the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. That's the first heading, if you like. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. That is the ministry that Ezekiel knew of. And then second, we'll consider the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. That is the ministry that Ezekiel was looking forward to. And then in conclusion, third, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in you. Again, this is an overview. Don't think that when we're doing a brief topical series on the Holy Spirit that we're going to say everything that the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit. That will not be possible. Last week, an overview of the identity of the Holy Spirit. And now this morning, more to come, but this morning, an overview of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So then first, let's look together at the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. He shows up very early in the Old Testament. In fact, in the first two verses. Genesis chapter 1, and I'll read to you verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. By the way, if you go to the Gospel according to John chapter 1, verse 1, you find out that the third member of the Trinity, the Son of God, was also there in the beginning at creation. But here we have clearly told to us that the Spirit of God, that is the Holy Spirit, was there at the beginning in creation and He was hovering over the face of the waters. So from there and from the Old Testament, here is just a sampling of His activity. I'll list six. There's more, but I'll list six and then give you the references if you want to look more closely this week. Number one, he molded all of creation into shape and breathed life into mankind. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 and Job chapter 33 verse 4. Second, the Holy Spirit carried out the will of God in nature and in history. 
Isaiah 34, 16. Isaiah 47. He third revealed God's will and God's word to his people. Nehemiah 9, 20. He distributed wisdom and understanding. Isaiah 11, 2. The Holy Spirit, in the Old Testament we read, enabled some men and women to act mightily. Judges chapter 3, verse 10. And number six, the Holy Spirit transformed the hearts of people. That's not just the New Testament, that's in the Old Testament as well. Romans 2.29, Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And there are other references to go along with each of those. That is a summary only. But it is a summary of what the Holy Spirit was doing in the Old Testament. And all of that Holy Spirit work, it continues today, but there's more. There is more, and that is what Ezekiel is talking about. It's not to say that the Holy Spirit was not already in God's people, but something greater was coming and Ezekiel talks about that greater ministry of the Holy Spirit that for Ezekiel was off in the future. That was the promise in verse 27 of Ezekiel 36. And I will, God saying through his prophet, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So that's written by Ezekiel. And then 600 years later, Jesus comes and walks with his disciples. And on the night before his death, he makes the same promise that Ezekiel made. He makes the same promise. We looked at this last week in John chapter 14. 16 through 17, listen for the same promise. Jesus said to his disciples, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In some special way, some new way, as Ezekiel said, Jesus says, soon, we're closer now, the Holy Spirit will be in you. The very next day, Jesus was crucified. He died. On the third day, he was resurrected. After he was resurrected, he found his fearful disciples in Jerusalem, and he told them this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So it's closer even now. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then at 9 a.m., we know the hour, and then at 9 a.m. on Pentecost, that promise, that old promise, it was fulfilled, and this greater ministry of the Holy Spirit began. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And it began dramatically. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. That is, his disciples. Verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, 
and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now that probably did not happen when you became a Christian and received the Holy Spirit. It was probably not this dramatic. And that's because this was a one-time redemptive historical event and so God marked it with these dramatic signs and wonders. In fact, you see that happen a couple more times in the book of Acts as the gospel and the Spirit goes farther and farther out of Jerusalem and away from God's people to the Gentiles and to the very ends of the earth. And then a few verses later, Peter now with this power of the Holy Spirit He preaches his first sermon. It was the best first sermon ever preached. And at the end of his sermon, or near the end of his sermon, in chapter 2, verse 38, he said to those he was preaching to repent. He gave them the gospel and he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's this promise of the Spirit and His new and greater ministry fulfilled. And so Ezekiel's promise was kept and fulfilled. God had put His Spirit in His people so that Paul could say to the Christians in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple and God's Spirit dwells in you? So that is the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and now a timeline That brings us to our second heading, the ministry of the Holy Spirit now in the New Testament. If the Holy Spirit was already active with and in God's people in the Old Testament, and He clearly was, then what is the significance and what is the distinction of His ministry in the New Testament? What changed. If you were here last Sunday, you you already know the answer. Something changed in regards to the ministry of the Holy Spirit that could not have changed before the Son of God came and lived and suffered and died and rose again in the place of sinners and ascended to the right hand of God the Father where He is now. That needed to happen first. The Holy Spirit takes on a brand new name in the New Testament. He is the Spirit of Christ. He is the Spirit of Christ. To have the Holy Spirit is to have, Acts 16, 7, the Spirit of Jesus. To have the Holy Spirit is to have, Philippians 1, 19, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. To be a Christian is to have the Holy Spirit And to have the Holy Spirit means, Romans 8.10, that Christ is in you. What is the essence, heart, and core of the Spirit's work today? J.I. Packer asks. He answers, 
The Spirit makes known the personal presence in and with the Christian of the risen, reigning Savior, the Jesus of history, who is the Christ of faith. The Holy Spirit is God. He is a person. He is, in the New Testament, the promised presence of Jesus Christ. And so, what is His ministry in the New Testament as the promised presence of Christ? What does He do? That's our question. What does He actually do? So let me read a few verses now from Jesus describing the new ministry of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26 is the first one. John 14, 26. Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit helps, we know. He helps. How does He help? Jesus went into great detail. He goes on, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit would now teach God's people and remind them of Christ's words. In the next chapter, John chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me. So the Holy Spirit bears witness about Jesus. That probably made more sense to them then than it does to us now. In Jesus' day, unlike today, in a courtroom, there were not lawyers that were representing the defense and representing the prosecution. Rather, there was a judge who would call witnesses from both sides, and then the judge would make the decision. But he would call witnesses from both sides, and a proper witness would be an intimate companion of the one accused or the accuser and could testify to their character. It wasn't just a witness that saw what happened. It was a witness that could testify to the character of the person that was saying this is what happened. The Holy Spirit is the chief witness in us of Jesus Christ. That means the Holy Spirit testifies to the believer how good Jesus is. He is a witness who testifies how good and sweet and loving Jesus is. Out of His love, what He has done. What He has done for His people. To live perfectly for them. So that they may receive the reward of His righteousness to die for them. To pay the price and suffer the penalty that His people deserved. And the Holy Spirit reminds Christ's people of this, testifies, witnesses. He was with him from the very beginning, was his closest, most intimate companion, the Holy Spirit was to Jesus. And now he testifies to us of how good he is and the good that he has done. What else? The next chapter, 
John chapter 16, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. The Holy Spirit ensures that a believer knows and understands the truth. And then here's the last thing, just looking at these few chapters and the words of Jesus. Here's the last thing Jesus says in His farewell discourse about the new ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it is a summary, I think, of everything He has said up until this point. And it is in John 16, verse 14. And Jesus says, to sort of summarize this new ministry of the Holy Spirit, He says, He, that is the Holy Spirit, will glorify Me. That's what all this is that Jesus has been talking about. All this new ministry of the Spirit of Christ in His people. Here is what the Holy Spirit will do. From the mouth of Jesus, He will glorify Me. For He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. He will glorify me, Jesus says. He will draw attention to me. He will point out my perfection. He will point out my beauty. He will point you to me. So notice then, the main difference between the Holy Spirit's activity in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Holy Spirit's new ministry is focused and centered on Jesus Christ. He is sent by Jesus. He helps by reminding God's people of the words of Jesus. He bears witness about Jesus. He guides believers into the truth of Jesus. In summary, He is sent to glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit is pointing everything and everyone to Christ. The Holy Spirit is like a floodlight casting light on Jesus. The purpose of a floodlight is not to be seen, but to help something else be seen. You don't stare at the light. That is not what the light is there for. That is not the floodlight's job. The job of the floodlight, the purpose of the floodlight, it is to illuminate something else. Some of you have seen this in, in maybe a home. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's a home that's nearby and you've driven by it at night. And some of these homes will have this beautiful landscaping. And then they will have these lights that are hidden in the front of their home. And you don't see the lights. And if you saw the light, it wouldn't be nearly as beautiful. But what you do see are the trees, the architecture, the flowers, the bushes, the, the path leading up to the house. And it's all illuminated. And if you've seen that done well, it's done beautifully because those floodlights are doing exactly what they are intended to do. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In His new covenant ministry, the Holy Spirit is self-effacing, directing attention away from Himself and toward Christ. That's what Jesus said He was going to do. And then we read the New Testament and that's exactly what the Holy Spirit did. And whenever the church, and we'll read about this in Corinth, took their focus off of Christ and onto the Holy Spirit, they received correction. Because there was misunderstanding of the activity and ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
Intentionally, these things that we're drawing attention to in these first couple weeks of this series on the Holy Spirit are not what you might typically hear regarding the Holy Spirit. As I've said before, there is a lot that is out there about who the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does. And we will get to some of that. But we're starting here because there is nothing more important for us to understand than this about the Holy Spirit. Whatever else He's up to, and whatever else He does, here is what is at the foundation. He is now the promised presence of Jesus Christ. And if you are a believer, He is dwelling within you right now. And He is there self-effacing, and He is directing your attention to Jesus Christ. All the time. That's His ministry. That's His focus. That's His work. So in conclusion, let's move on to our third and final heading now. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in you, in me. And we'll have much more to say about this in weeks to come. But for today, in light of the Holy Spirit's ministry to glorify Jesus, let me give you Three implications of the Spirit of Christ in you. Three implications of this, and I'll draw your attention to Scripture for each. Number one, the Holy Spirit in you means fellowship with Jesus. We touched on this last week. But again, because these things often don't get the attention they should, they are underrated. They are underestimated. They are sometimes overlooked. But I'm telling you, it doesn't get any better than this. Number one, the Holy Spirit in you means fellowship with Jesus or community with Jesus or intimate relationship with with Jesus or walking with Jesus. So think of, if it's hard for you to think of this with Jesus, a relationship that you have with somebody on this earth that you love very much and you care very much about and you know well and knows you well. And think of the dynamics of your relationship with them. And how you love them and how they love you. And how maybe they need you and you need them. And what they have been through with you. And how they have been with you and helped you and loved you. Christian, the Holy Spirit in you means you have 24-7 fellowship with Jesus. The disciples, you remember, they were fearful, the Bible tells us, when Jesus started to tell them that He was going away. And the reason they were fearful is because they had fellowship with Jesus. And they didn't, they didn't want to be apart from Jesus. They didn't want to be away from Jesus. Their, their lives had so changed in just three years that they could not imagine life without Him. Yet Jesus came to them in John 14, 3 and says, I'm leaving. He says, I go and prepare a home for you. So Jesus is leaving. He is telling them, I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to be there. And one of the things I'm going to be doing is I'm going to prepare a home for you. And one day we'll be reunited there. But I'm going to leave. And so they were fearful. And they were discouraged by this. But then he tells them this. And he said it in other ways too. But here's one we haven't read. John 14, 23. He looks at his disciples and says, If anyone loves me, 
He will keep my words. And my father will love him. And then listen to this. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Now put those verses together. So Jesus says, I am going to go and prepare a home for you. And when Jesus goes to prepare a home for his disciples, he and the Father are going to come and make a home with them. How? By the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit is not just the Spirit of Christ in the sense that Christ is sending Him. He is the Spirit of Christ in that to have the presence of the Holy Spirit is to have the presence of Christ. It is to be in fellowship with Jesus. John 14, 18, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's why He could say that. I will come to you in the Holy Spirit. And a reassurance in Matthew 28, 20, he said, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So because of the Holy Spirit, you have fellowship with Jesus. You have a relationship with Jesus. You walk this life with Jesus. Number two, the Holy Spirit in you means transformation into Jesus' likeness. Or to put this another way, the Holy Spirit in you means that you will be changed to become more like Jesus. We are not naturally like Jesus. We are selfish. And there is so much in us that needs to be changed. And it will not be changed without the Spirit of Christ in us. But the Spirit of Christ in us means that we will change. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image that is of the Lord, of Jesus Christ, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So because the Holy Spirit is in us, He is transforming us into, elsewhere in Romans, we're being conformed into the image of Jesus. We're being changed into His likeness. We're being made more holy. The Holy Spirit in you means transformation into Jesus likeness so it means fellowship with Jesus to have the Holy Spirit to have the Holy Spirit means transformation and then third finally the Holy Spirit in you means certainty of being loved by Jesus or Assurance is the theological word. The Holy Spirit is in you to assure you that you belong to God. That you may have certainty that Jesus loves you. I hope you know this confidence or have tasted this confidence. This is not the confidence that comes from 
being a good person. And you probably feel that. I mean, if I have a good day, you know, I only sin like 30 times or something. I feel pretty good at the end of the day. And I'm, sad to say, more confident than on other days that I belong to Jesus. Because, you know, I see fruit and I see evidence and I look like who I say that I am. And on those days where I'm really blowing it over and over again, I don't have that kind of confidence. I don't have that kind of assurance. I might even doubt. I might even question. Well, listen, there is a, an aspect of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Christian here that regardless of what you've done, regardless of what kind of day you had or what, what kind of week you had, there is a certainty that the Holy Spirit brings that reminds you that you belong to Jesus and he loves you. And his love's not fleeting, and it's not fickle, and it's not dependent on you, and it doesn't matter how much you love him or how well you check off the boxes that you have in your life like I have in mine. It is completely and totally unconditional. He loves you. Knows you, knows everything about you, knows everything that you've done, and loves you. And the Holy Spirit in you means certainty of being loved by Jesus. Romans 8, 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Like That's the first one that I was talking about. That's not the Holy Spirit. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received. Now, here's another title for the Holy Spirit is a beautiful one. Christian, you have received the spirit of adoption. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom we cry. So here we are. We're sons and daughters of God. And how we address him here, this is a term of endearment, Abba, Father. It's like Papa or Dad or Daddy. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that is your, your soul, the Spirit, capital S Himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He bears witness. The Holy Spirit is here as the Spirit of adoption. And what is that Spirit of adoption saying? You're adopted! You've been adopted! God is saying through His Spirit, so you belong to me. This isn't temporary. This isn't until you or when you. This is unconditional. This is permanent. You're not just here for a while. You're not just here for a month. This is the spirit of adoption whereby God says, you are mine. You belong to me. And the Holy Spirit is in us as a witness testifying that we are children, not just the people. You hear all the language? We are the children of God. You're not outside the gates anymore. You're not outside the door. You are on the inside of the door and it's dead bolted like a hundred times and you're safe, and you're protected, and you're provided for, and you're rescued, and you're loved, and nothing can ever, ever change that. And we'll get to that in weeks to come. The Holy Spirit is a seal of that. And if children, 
he says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. What belongs to Christ belongs to you. He is your elder brother. You are in the family. Provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. The Holy Spirit brings assurance. Listen, when you are struggling to live the way God wants you to live, you don't need some sort of a threat that maybe God doesn't love you or doesn't love you as much or won't love you if you keep it up. What you need is the assurance of the Holy Spirit that if you are a Christian to know with certainty that you have been adopted by God the Father in heaven and there is nothing you could ever do to spoil that. Now that's motivation. And that's reason. And that's help to glorify God and to obey Him and to live for Him. Not out of a spirit of slavery and out of fear, but as an adopted child of God. The Holy Spirit brings assurance. He assures you that you are redeemed, you are loved and adopted into God's family. Let me close with a quote I was reminded of it this past week. It was written by Octavius Winslow. It's a great name if you're thinking of a baby name. It really is. Octavius. I think in 1856 he wrote this, and he's writing about the ministry of the Holy Spirit mediating to us the very presence of Christ. And, and in these words, he really captures the fellowship and the transformation and the assurance that comes from the Spirit of Christ in us. Let me quote him. Romans 8.26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Do you doubt this? We summon you as a witness to its truth. Why are you not a ruin and a wreck? Why has not your infirmity long since dethroned reason and annihilated faith and extinguished hope and clad all the future with the pall of despair? Why have you ridden serene and secure upon the crest of the billow, smiling calmly upon the dark and yawning surges dashing and foaming around you? Why have you, when your heart has been overwhelmed found relief in a sigh, in a tear, in an uplifted glance, in one thought of God. Oh, it was the Spirit that helped you. When you have staggered and turned pale and have well near given up all for lost, resigning yourself to the broodings of despair, that Spirit has approached all loving and powerful and helped by sharing your infirmity. Some appropriate and precious promise has been sealed upon your heart. Some clear and soothing view of Christ has been presented to your eye. Some gentle whisper of love has breathed upon your ear and you have been helped. Grieved and wounded and slighted a thousand times over, though he has been. Receiving at your hands the unkindest requital for the tenderest love, yet when your infirmity bowed you to the earth, 
and the sword entered your soul, he drew near. Forgetting all your base ingratitude and administered wine to your dejected spirit and oil to your bleeding wound and placed beneath you the encircling arms of his everlasting love. So we see that following the ascension of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit was sent as promised by the Father and the Son to begin his unprecedented new ministry indwelling believers and mediating as one who was with him from the beginning, the very presence of Christ. And so the essence of this ministry of the Holy Spirit was and is to glorify Christ by making us most happy and holy and hopeful in Him. We will enjoy fellowship with Christ and with one another through the Lord's Supper today. We call this time fellowship or communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul wrote in verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after Supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we are remembering and proclaiming the Lord's sacrificial death today. You are invited to take communion with us if you are a baptized believer, if you have turned from your sin and you have placed your faith for salvation and life in Christ and Christ alone, and if you are committed to Him and to His people, to a local church, whether it is this or another one that preaches the same gospel you heard here today that describes you, you are invited. We'll have leaders up front to Serve us the bread and the juice if you would come forward and hold on to those symbols and then return to your seat and we'll take it together as a church family. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, in response to your word today now, we come and we take these symbols, these emblems that in many ways remind us of our salvation. So we pray, God, that you would be honored in this time and glorified as we draw near to you and as you draw near to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.